Hello, it's Mike McDivitt, interim pastor of the New Hope Baptist Church. Here on July the 3rd, almost the 4th of July. And uh, today we're going to talk about the blueprint to restore a country. And of course it's, what is it? You, you know the number, the, the uh, scripture? It's right, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. But we're going to read some of the other verses around that surround it, though. I think a lot of times these get lost in the uh, in the mix here and but we're going to start out with that verse of course and then we'll have a word of prayer it says if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land let's pray dear father just thank you for this day that you've given us lord we pray father you will just help us as we um, read your word today, and you will do what I cannot do, Lord, to show us, each one of us, Lord, what you would have for us in it today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And, well, of course, this is the, this is the scripture, scripture that uh, people use, of course, and you should. It's a wonderful scripture. Of course, it's talking about the Jews and the time of Solomon and what they could do to restore their country and it can be used as a pattern for us a lot of times these days people say don't even read the Old Testament baloney you should read the Old Testament it has a lot of wisdom in it for us a lot of lessons it's God's Word and we should always you know, be complete about reading God's word. It is, is, it is, after all, the revealer of who he is and what he's all about and what we should be uh, like in relating to our God, the maker, the creator of the universe, right? And so before we delve into this particular scripture, I wanted to go back a hair, if you would, in Second Chronicles chapter 5. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, we're going to read verses 13 and 14. And it says, And it came even to pass, as the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So we see here that getting that country right started with praise. Prayer and praise. I'm telling you what, powerful things. A lot of times we forget the most basic things, don't we? How do we get back in touch with the Lord? We, we've walked away from Him a little bit. Our country has certainly turned away from the good Lord. What do we do? What do we do? Well, here, who is doing this? Who is praising the Lord? Well, of course, His people. His people. So first off, we can't sit here and look at the rest of America. 
we have to look in the mirror. And if you get to the point where you can praise the Lord like they are doing here, then they're refocusing their attention back where it's supposed to be. And their understanding is such that now they are praising the right person, not themselves, not the world, not things, but they're focusing in on the maker, the creator, the God of the universe. And they're thanking him for all their blessings. Let me ask you this. This week, how many times this week have you thanked the Lord for the blessings he's given you? Now, hopefully, when you sit down to eat, you thank him for the food you're about to eat. I hope you do. I was working at a place one time where the guy, I, I just I always bowed my head, of course, and just quietly I said my blessing before I ate. I always do. And uh, the one day, the one guy kind of started trying to make fun of me or whatever. And that's okay. I continued my blessing, and I finished. I opened my eyes, and he was still making fun of me. And I said, you know what? I'm thankful for what I have. I'm thankful for this food. There's a lot of people starving. How thankful are you that the, for the food that you just ate? This is the lunchroom after all, and it is lunchtime, and you actually got something good to eat. Are you thankful? And so, I hope you did that. But how about through the rest of your day? Have you ever thanked the Lord for your health? Have you ever thanked the Lord for your family? Have you ever thanked the Lord for all the common blessings that we take for granted? I hope so. I hope so. Especially if you're saved, you should thank the Lord for your salvation. Because your eternity depends on it. And so, as we thank the Lord, I think the mood changes in a room, doesn't it? And this is what happened here. To such an extent that the glory of the Lord filled the house of God that they couldn't even see in the house of God each other. I think sometimes spiritually, shouldn't that be the way it is? Maybe we don't have a cloud in our church building, but the glory of the Lord should fill the house of God so much that we're looking at him and not anything else. We're not talking about fishing. We're not thinking about work. We're not thinking about what we're doing after church because the glory of the Lord has filled the church building so much as the word of God is being preached. And our praise, you know, everybody calls their service praise and worship, but most of it has little to do with praise and worship, does it? We just call it, you know, the singing portion of the, of, the, uh, of the service. We don't say praise and worship band and all that business. The whole thing's about that, especially the preaching. And as you sit there, which I really kind of like the southern way of doing things, they, they, they loudly say, Amen, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, preach it, brother. I kind of like that. It's got to be out of a genuine heart. I often said we need to start that, but it is hard for us northerners, isn't it? <laughs> it just doesn't seem to be in us, but we need, I think, need to be more that way. But the most importantly, you could be verbally that way and it not be in your heart. And so I believe that within our, not only our churches, but within our homes, that 
The praise and worship of the Lord should be so much on our daily life that whether it's in the church or whether it's in the uh, at home, that our focus, because of the thick presence of the Holy Spirit, forces us to be focused on the Lord. I really do. So we find here that it's, it starts with the praise of the Lord. And the Spirit came down. The Spirit came down. Let's look in chapter 7, verse 1 through 3, before we get to 14. Chapter 7, and verse 1 through 3. Now remember, now David wasn't here anymore, and Solomon had finished the temple, and he's he was, um, you know, they, they, they were uh, not only dedicating a temple and whatnot, but they were, uh, the reality had set in. You know, there's a permanent place to worship the Lord here. In verse 1 through 3, it says, And now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, this happened in Elijah's day. Nobody really talks about this happening here. Nobody talks about this happening here. That as they made an end of praying, number one, how's your prayer life, my friend? good start to the blueprint of getting our nation right is our people, God's people, not only praising praising the Lord in their life and the Spirit coming down on their life, but when the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Now I know we don't sacrifice bulls and sheep and all that now. The Lord Jesus Christ was our sacrifice on the cross. But how's your life looking? How's my life looking? Is I'm, am I sacrificing my life for the Lord? It's not really a sacrifice, though, is it? Huh? It's a privilege. But when they talk about sacrificial giving, and I know they talk about usually in the form of money, which should be. I mean, gospel is free, but it costs money to to turn the lights on in a church building, doesn't it? <laughs> so I do think that should be, but it's more than that. Your time. It's your treasure, but it's your time too. It's your talent. You have a talent. You know, it's getting out of your comfort zone. And as we do that, and we serve the Lord as hard as we can with his help and his power. I believe the glory of the Lord will fill the house. The fire in the form of the Holy Spirit will come down from heaven. Verse 2. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house, the Lord's house, excuse me. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves and their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So they prayed. Their sacrifice was the Lord. The Lord um, smiled on it and 
and he was pleased in the evidence of he provided the fire, burnt the offering up. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And then again, what they do? They worshiped him. Prayer and worship. A display of God's power. A display of God's presence. A display of God's pleasure. A display of God's praise by his people. It's so important, my friends. All these things really come together. They really do. If you find a godly man or woman, what's their prayer life usually look like? If you look at a godly life lived, part of it is prayer and worship. Dedication, service. And then, of course, we come down to the portion where it gets to verse 14. We're going to read 12 through 14, though, if you don't mind. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place myself for an house of sacrifice. And if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. What before we, before we go into this? Why does God usually let that happen? It's usually to get his people's attention, right? It's usually what it is. And then we go into the verse that everybody quotes. We're going to read the whole verse. To start with, though, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is really split up into a few different things. First, if my people that are called by my name in this blueprint, he is talking to his people that are called by his name. Who's that in this day? Who's that in this day? Well, that's us, the church. We cannot look at the world, the people that are not saved, the atheist, the agnostic. We cannot really look at them and we can't really look at them and expect out of them to get right with the Lord. They have to get saved to start with, don't they? Of course they do. So first off, in this blueprint, he's talking to the Jew, but we can really apply this also to the church. That if my people are called by my name, you want to know who's most at fault for America's woes right now? As much as a lot of this is president's fault, he's in charge. Or the people around him, they're in charge. We can really look in the mirror. Because if we had done our jobs, both in telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ... If we had spent our time on our knees, like we should, and this isn't just happening now, 
This has been generations in the making. But if we had done that, if our churches were on fire for the Lord, the presence of the Lord was burning within our churches, our country would reflect that. So the Lord's looking at us, my friends. How are we going to change this? Hey, I believe in voting. You bet your life I do. I am a conservative and politically I am. It's practical. It's right. It makes sense. But most importantly, my friend, is uh, Christian principles, moral values. Within the church, how many of these stories are involving preachers and people of the church in the world looks at us and say, you know, well, if that's a, if that's a Christian, <laughs> right? So if my people that are called by my name, what's the second part? Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Isn't that against what they teach today? It's self-pride, right? Self. We're talking about self. We lift ourselves up. But we, it's all about us. Humbleness is really not taught. But in the Bible, it's a big principle taught for Christians. God cannot use a proud man. Now, I'm not taking me talking about being proud of your day's work, but proud thinking you're more than you are. So it says here, will humble themselves. And then what's it say? And pray and seek my face. Not just pray, but you're seeking to be in front of the Lord. You're talking to him. So if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, it's not all about us, is it? If we get right with God, if we get right with God, if the Christians in this country get right with God. Well, that's the third part of this verse. And will turn from their wicked ways, and then, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Now, we're talking about God's people here. We're not talking about the rest of the world. Again, if my people that are called by my name, and then it says, will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and then it says... Now, this is God's people we're talking about here and turn from their wicked ways. If us Christians turn from our wicked ways, I think sin has permeated the church and we need to cleanse it. We need the fire of the Lord to fall on our churches. We need the spirit to come down, the presence of God to be so thick, not only in our churches, but in our homes. That there's no room for Satan and there's no room for the world and there's no room for self. And turn from their wicked ways. God's people. Then, only then, will I hear from heaven. And will forgive their sin. You know, God will not listen to a man that's, that's wallowing in sin. He's going to wait till he gets his heart right first. That's what the Bible says. The last part of the verse and heal their land. God will heal our land if the Christians get right. If the Christians get right. Verse 15 through 18 of 7. 
it says, Now mine eyes shall be open, and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made with this, in this place. For now I have chosen to sanctify this house, and my name, that my name may be there for over, excuse me, forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me, as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of the kingdom, and according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall be, excuse me, there shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. Now, what's this talking about? That if you turn to God, ask forgiveness of your sins, and turn to Him, if you do that, remember His people, and humble themselves and seek God's face and turn from your wicked ways, then He'll hear from heaven and He'll hear their land. And if we do this, those few verses say God will bless you. Then the blessings of God will begin to fall on our nation, our homes, our churches. Now there's a warning at the end, and I know I've run out of time, my friend. Usually I try to hold this to 20 minutes. But let's look at verse 19 and 20. I would be remiss if I didn't add these verses. But if ye turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments which I have set before you and shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Then will I pluck up by the root out of the land, which I have given them in this house, which I have sanctified for my name and will cast out my sight and will make it to be proverb and a byword among the nations. And it goes on. What's it talking about? That if we go against God, there is a curse. Now, I think we have had that curse fall on our country because of what is happening. It's evident. But remember, my friend, I believe all this, for chapter 7, the end, or in chapter 5, you read all this, but especially culminating in verse 14. This is a blueprint on how our country can get right and God can heal our country. I'm going to finish by reading this verse and we'll end it. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let's pray. Dear Father, just thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will bless today in our churches, that um, the presence, your presence, Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit will come down and just fill our churches. And that your people that are called by your name will humble ourselves, will pray and ask forgiveness of our sins. We know that if we mean it, that you'll come down and heal our land. And we pray for that happen to happen today, Lord, on this 3rd of July, for our great nation, Lord, that you have provided for us as we celebrate tomorrow, the 4th of July, that the 3rd of July might be remembered as the day America turned back to you, the churches in America turned back to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, my friends, I hope you have a good Lord's Day, and you have a good 4th tomorrow, those that are in America. 
And I pray that you will think about this wonderful set of verses we read today. Don't forget to witness to some poor lost soul. God bless you.